This is a horrendous defense. This guy's supposed to be a defensive guru. I heard everything, and I take it personal on this one. Everything I heard about was, well, this guy's a lot like a lot like myself, but without the, the bad part. Honestly, you know what? I've never met Rex. I've never had a conversation with Rex. I, I, I don't even know him except for people who know him throughout the league. And don't ever compare this guy to me, this Robert Sala to me. Oh, I'm not surprised by him. He's, he's always got something to say. I'm a little pissed off about it when, when I hear that this guy, you know, his background's a lot, lot like yours. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Obviously, if it's that personal for him, he knows where to find me. Love me a good beef. Who doesn't love a good beef? And who would have thought Rex Ryan and Robert Sala, the Jets coach of current and past, the ghost of girlfriends past, to the ghost of head coach past. This is the Gangs All Here podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside my co-host, Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. Woo, we got a lot to do today. We got Exports Illustrator writer, NBC Sports own Peter King. Peter King joining us on Gangs All Here a little bit later. We have to react to that feud between rex and salah on espn radio courtesy the michael k show salah was on and rothenberg and dipietro espn radio as well for rex uh i guess we'll start there and then get into the breaking news cause a kind of unnecessary pot shop but rex is a personality now he He's on ESPN. He's there to get clicks and ratings. And I guess I understand where he's coming from. It was a little bit random to knock him down while he's already down. But what was your reaction when you heard that little back and forth? That Rex is the gift that keeps on giving. You know, I mean, it's been what, seven years since he's been the coach here, but we're still getting headlines from Rex. God bless him. You know, it's Rex being Rex and he's doing what he needs to do, you know, for ESPN. That's what he's getting paid for. And I was kind of surprised Sala fired back, but good for him. He felt like he wanted to defend himself. That's fine. I actually had a private conversation with Rex like that two months ago where he was telling me he did not want us comparing Sala to him and did not like that. You know, I didn't make that public at the time because we it was a private conversation but obviously now he's went public with it. So this is something that Rex has been stewing about for a while. I think Rex is, is vetting for his job back. I think he's like, if Salah fails, I am open to come back. But enough on that because breaking news came in and we broke the news later in the show. So if this is, sounds weird, this is just the world of podcasting and timing and sports in general. Cause, you know, courtesy sources told ESPN that the starting quarterback for Sunday for the Jets against the Dolphins in what should be a doozy between the two and seven Jets and the the three and seven Dolphins will not be Zach Wilson. It will not be Mike Effing White. It'll be Joe Effing Flacco. Cause you, uh, you know, we're typing furiously and checking the news furiously. Yeah, I'm doing as it right we were now. Talk- talking to Peter King as you're typing as I'm we speak. I'm tweeting right now. I'm tweeting yeah, right let, now. Jake, let me let me let, podcasting. Let, let, let me let uh, him finish the tweet. This is multitasking at its finest. This yeah. Is- this live is in the world. Can you type and talk at the same time to react <laughs> to the shocking news? That Let me Joe just Flacco make sure said. I didn't have any typos here, but uh, I typos, source just con- yeah. source just confirmed for me, Jake, that Joe Flacco will be starting at QB for the Jets, as Rich and me from ESPN reported. The Jets like Flacco's experience, and Zach Wilson's knee is still not 100%. That's what I've been told. All right. Look, live scoopage here on the pod. Flacco to start. And now Flacco did start last season. And there's the tweet. Love it. The live tweet during the show. It's a stunner a little bit here you, you thought if, if Zach's not ready Mike might not get another game but that showed you I guess how bad Mike was but I'm a little stunned by this because if Zach's not ready I thought you might get 
one more game for Mike because you need to find out if he is the long-term backup or not. But Flacco, I guess, gives them the better chance to win and against an aggressive Dolphins defense coming off a big win. Are you surprised? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? What's your reaction? Surprise in the word. I'm stunned. Uh, I shouldn't be. I've covered the Jets for a long time. Stupid crap like this happens all the time with the Jets. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, especially a quarterback. It's crazy. The guy wasn't on the team, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? It wasn't here. And now he's the starting quarterback. Hard to believe. You know, I guess the Jets really didn't like what they saw from like White Sunday. And they still feel like Zach's not 100%. I think Miami's defense probably plays a role in this. If anyone watched Thursday night's game against the Ravens, they blitzed over and over and over and over again. You know, Next Gen Stats had them, I think, 24, 25 safety blitzes, which was like the most in the history of Next Gen Stats. So if Mike White's in there, if Zach Wilson's in there, Brian Flores is going to blitz like crazy. Probably not going to deal with that very well. Joe Flacco might be able to deal with it better. It's it's pretty stunning to me, though. Yeah, and, you know, I guess they want to get him 100% because after that, the Jets will go to Houston and play just one of the worst teams in the league in the Texans. So maybe they think, you know what? Let's not throw him out there, not 100% against an aggressive defense in a home game, in a chance where, you know, it wasn't really him booed, but, you know, the Jets' overall performance booed in the home opener. You know, if if he goes out there and is terrible, you might get the boo birds again from the MetLife Stadium crowd. It might get restless if, you know, first quarter he's a little banged up and he gets sacked. So Joe Flacco, who the Jets opted not to pay to not bring back, they trade for him, they bring him back. He's not active. Mike White's the quarterback. And now he's active. I mean, Kaz, this is just as jetsy and as it gets. So confusing. I can't wrap my head around it. I agree Flacco probably gives them the better chance to win. But like you said, this was surely stunning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd i like to see what Zach – I'm surprised because Zach practiced fully Friday. I thought that probably meant he was 100% or close to 100% this week. But I guess not. You know, I guess they really didn't like what they saw from Mike White Sunday and, and going to Flacco. But, you know, I'm getting text messages <laughs> all over the place here. You want to yeah, read them? This is <laughs> – this is it's pretty pretty I like I think people inside the Jets are a little surprised. So right now it's uh it's interesting. Is this like a strictly Salah decision? Is it Salah with the medical staff? Where is this over where is this decision do you think coming from? Uh yeah, it's hard to say. I think it's an organizational decision. I I don't think it's just Robert Sala. I think Sala, I think Joe Douglas is involved in this. I think uh Michael Floor is involved and all the quarterback coaches that they have, Matt Cavanaugh and uh, all those guys, the medical staff. I'm sure how to say with Zach Wilson of where he where he is. But yeah, I mean, I'm just curious how much Flacco has really done so far here. I'm trying to think. I mean, he didn't really practice. So he practiced last week was really his first full week here, right? So because he came Friday before Cincinnati, then they played a Thursday game. So last week was his full first you know, first week here, I'm not sure how much he even didn't practice, right? Because Mike White was a starter and they told us Zach Wilson was running the, the scout team. I guess he's so old, he, you know, he doesn't need doesn't need to show them that much. And Douglas, at least, knows what he is from last year with the Jets because coaching staff wasn't here. It's a stunner. Watch him win and Joe Flacco's the quarterback. <laughs> of course, he, the will. Of course of the he will. Of course he's going to throw for 400 yards. <laughs> I, I say five 500. <laughs> five 500 and five touchdowns. And, and Joe Fla- elite Joe Flacco, Super Bowl champion Quarterback Joe, Joe Flacco. Flacco is the 2022 Jets here's, starting Here's something to remember, though, Jake. Just remember this with the whole Flacco thing, okay? Who was the Ravens area scout in 2008 that suggested that the Ravens draft Joe Flacco? Joe Douglas, maybe? Correct. So Joe Douglas was the one who scouted Joe, Joe Flacco at Delaware and went in and told Ozzie Newsome, we should draft this guy. Okay. So this they, they have a long, long, long history together, you know? And Joe Douglas has a ring on his finger because of Joe Flacco. 
right? Partially. So I think Joe Douglas was heavily involved in the decision to bring him here in midseason, and and Douglas might be involved in here. You know, yeah, well, that makes you think, why didn't he just bring him? The, I know two and a half million is a lot for a backup, but a veteran backup with a rookie quarterback is very important, as we'll talk about, you know, a little bit with Peter King. But that makes you think, why didn't he just start? We could have been in a position where Zach Wilson's maybe starting his first game week six after watching four or five games or however many games it takes and maybe is in a better position to have learned from a veteran like Flacco instead. <laughs> Flacco is here. I mean, I just someone just texted me. Joe Joe gives us the best chance to win this game. That's what they feel right now. All right. Well, Flacco starting Mike. Well, I mean, I could see Flacco getting hit in the first quarter, getting hurt. Mike White comes back in and and then we're we're in la la land. I mean, this is just a bizarre situation. News and notes. Jets plays Brandon Eccles on IR after uh, he got torched. Uh, like I said in the last show, maybe some practice squad guys come up. Well, they've signed from the practice squad Kenny Aboa and Rashad, one of the great last names ever, Wild Goose. I've gotten wild off some Gray Goose, uh, some nice. So nice to bring in a new cornerback to the active roster. Makai Beckton still a couple weeks from returning, but Joe Flacco will go up against the Dolphins, who are three point favorites before that decision was made. I assume it stays pretty similar. But Jets, Dolphins, 1 p.m., Dolphins 3 and 7, Jets 2 and 7, CBS, Greg Gumbel, Adam Marchaletta. I mean, this is like a dumpster fire game cause uh the jets are going to finish either two and eight or three and seven the dolphins will be the three and eight or four and seven you know break this game down now that we know the news of who's quarterback and make I i'm not ready to make a pick jake i gotta digest this i gotta digest this flacco news i i don't know like i, I gotta think about this I, i'm sorry i cannot make a pick yet you're gonna have to buy the new york post for my pick because i don't know but i think i mean it's funny i did an interview on miami radio this morning and they said you know, remember when this used to be a big game and like you know you used to talk about like what jason taylor was saying about the jets or channing crowder and rex was fighting with them and then way back you know marino and kenny o'brien and this used to be a big game jake <laughs> and now like you said it's a two and seven and three and seven teams facing off i think the dolphins are playing a lot better than they have been and obviously there's tons of questions about the jets defense still i just i kind of want to digest this flacco news before i make a pick jake so what, what are you thinking yeah i mean yeah i'm trying to digest it too and digest the uh ego waffles i i had before the show but uh i'm gonna <laughs> what's, take the what's, dolphins, what's tougher so. to digest this news for sure <laughs> uh, the waffles are, are pretty easy I'm, I'm still hungry it doesn't fill me up that much gonna make some tuna right after we finish this i'm gonna still take the dolphins i think their defense showed us a lot last week against a good Ravens team and I'm going to take the Dolphins 27-24 but I do think Flacco could make it closer than Mike White especially if it's the Mike White that we saw last week so I'll take the Dolphins 27-24 but me and many other people will have their eyes on other games in red zone as well while this game is going on because this could be an ugly one and the Dolphins listen they are a team that wildly underperformed I think a lot of us expected them to maybe be a playoff contender and they have just been I mean they've almost been as bad as the Jets so So this will be quite the doozy. We haven't done this in a while. Despite all the news that's happened, I I still want to play a little stump the cop. Remember? Yeah, I'm flustered right now, too. I know. This is the time I'm going to stump you. You're going to get me. Yeah. Questions courtesy of the intern, Cameron Ezer. So let's let's start with uh, let's go with this. Which future Hall of Fame quarterback did the Jets pass on when they selected quarterback Ken O'Brien in the 1983 draft? Did they pass on Dan Marino? Correct. All right. So that, there's a theme one uh, there. It's a pretty easy one. Uh, we're going to have to step up these questions from the intern here. Let's see. All right. Which future starter did the Jets scoop up after he went undrafted in the 2003 NFL draft? Offensive line. Brandon Moore. Got it. Well, there you go. Two for two. Which team beat the Jets in their only AFC championship game appearance in the 1980s? The Dolphins. 
Mud bowl. There you go. I mean, come easy. on. You got to bring it harder than this, Jake. I know. I, it's Brandon, not Moore my fault. Question, Brandon Moore question was good. But these other two, jeez. Who coached the Jets before Herman Edwards? I mean, come on. Al Grow. Yes. All right, four for four. He's got seven here. He might get a seven for seven. Might have to get a cause another steak dinner here. Which university did 2000 rookie quarterback Chad Pennington attend? Come on. Marshall, come Good on. Good Lord. All right. What is this it? is bad. Fire the intern. <laughs> he just started. God. Five for five. This one might be this one's actually a good one. The Monday night miracle occurred against the Miami Dolphins in week eight of the 2000 NFL season. How many points were the Dolphins winning by prior to the start of the fourth quarter? Yeah, I don't know that one, Jake. You want to take a guess? How many points were the Dolphins up at the start? 21? 21? 23. It was 37. All right, so there's one. He's five for six. Uh, and then one more. In January 1969, the Jets defeated the Baltimore Colts 16-7 with Super Bowl three. In which stadium was the game for The Orange Bowl. Six for seven. All right. So he missed the extra point. He scored the touchdown. <laughs> and uh, the intern has been fired. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, Cameron, we got we to gotta bring the better questions uh, next time. But we bring the great questions next. And that would be to NBC Sports' Peter King right here on Gangs All Here. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. Joining us now on Gangs All Here is a friend of the program, one of the greatest sports writers ever. He wrote for Sports Illustrated for 29 years from 1989 to 2018, including the Monday morning quarterback column. And he's the author of five books and a national sports writer of the year three times. You can now read all of his work with NBC Sports, of course. Let's welcome in the pride of Springfield, Massachusetts, and Enfield, Connecticut. Connecticut, stand up. It's Peter King in the building on Gangs All Here. Peter, Jake Brown, Brian Costello, welcome to the show. How are you? Jake, you were really too nice. Thank you very much, but uh, I appreciate the introduction. That was nice. I mean, you've been writing for so long, Peter, that you got to be. I mean, you won an award multiple times. You've been all over the place. SI. I mean, I covered. Hey, listen, I'll tell you how long it's been. I covered Tom Seaver in Cincinnati as a pitcher. (laughs) You know, that's how long I've been doing this. I used to go up to Tom Seaver in the Reds clubhouse. You know, I had heard stories. I'm 23 years old. I'm just out of college. And I'm the sidebar guy on the Cincinnati Reds. And I go up to Seaver and he'd have his shower shoes on, uh, shorts, be sitting there cross-legged in a director's chair every day before the game doing the New York Times crossword puzzle. And that would be like at three o'clock in the afternoon. I had heard from people, you know, hey, be careful of Seaver, not not the greatest guy to deal with. I just walked right up to him and I said, hey, Tom, I'm Peter King. I work for the Cincinnati Inquirer. I'm new on the beat. I just wanted to come and introduce myself. It's really an honor to meet you, quite honestly, but I'll be covering you and blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, great. Hey, good to meet you. And if you ever need me, here's my phone number. I mean, you know, how many people have done that? But anyway, I mean, I covered him only briefly, but he was really a, a good guy to deal with for all the the gangs all here podcast fans who are over 55. <laughs> hey, as a Mets fan, I, I host our Mets podcast, Amazing But True. And, uh, you know, Mets are in the news right now. So that's a, a good hey, topic. Can I, I ask mean, what- you a question? Yeah. Can I ask you this? Why in the world would Cindergard and look, I understand the way pro sports 
are, is, but he did nothing for two years and whatever amount of money he made, isn't there some little feeling where you say, I really kind of owe the Mets. You know, I, I kind of owe the Mets. I mean, as a person, don't you feel like, you know, he might just say, hey, listen, I, I, I mean, I'm going to play for 18 million for the Mets and hopefully I can give them what they've been paying me for. And I haven't been able to give to him. It just seems a little cold to me. You are speaking with logic. Noah Syndergaard does not think with logic. He is not a great person, and he, he bolted the Mets, and Peter, the Mets dodged a bullet because $21 million for a guy who's pitched two innings in two years, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, so I think they dodged a bullet there. Well, the Jets are not dodging many bullets. Their defense uh, is dodging the football. They're leaving that you know, in the dust. Kaz said on the last show, this could be the worst defense in the history of football. Where does this Jets defense rank in uh, Jets history and the history of the NFL as someone's covered the league forever? I mean, I'm just shocked when I watch them play. And again, look, they made a choice to trade away, you know, to trade away Adams. And now May gets hurt. You know, they've made some choices of what to do. And obviously you're going to get injuries. But I think the most worrisome thing about the Jets, at least to me, this is the time. Let's take away 2019 because Joe Douglas got there late and he had nothing to do with the draft, had nothing to do with free agency. So let's just take the last two years. You know, we're at the 25 game mark now with Joe Douglas and the Jets are four and 21 with him in charge of the roster. And we can say whatever we want about how last year was a disaster blah, blah, blah. This year, a new coach. I get it. This is where a general manager and his personnel decisions have to help the new coach. And the way I look at it, the depth on the roster is not helping the new coach. When you give up 54, 31, 45, and 45, four weeks in a row, it's just not excusable. And right now, when I look at it, it isn't just, you know, that the numbers are awful. It's to me, and again, look, we can talk about the Rex Ryan stuff forever. I mean, I just think it was Bush League for him to call out Sala. You know, that's, that is the classic kicking a man when he's down. I, I just did not think that was cool at all. But I just think now this is going to be a test of can Robert Sala get his guys to play hard in a lost season? Because there are times in a season when it's over and you know it's over and you know on January 9th or whatever day is the last game, that's it, that you're just then going home. But whatever the deal is with that, it's inexcusable the spirit with which they're playing, in my opinion. Peter, I'm sure you got to know Sala a little bit um, when he was the coordinator in San Francisco, and you obviously are familiar with what he did. Did you think that was a good hire when the Jets made it? And has anything has anything in these first two and a half months made you question that? You know, Brian, uh, again, I didn't go to Jets training camp. I've talked to Sala uh, once or twice, I think, since he's taken this job. I'm not at all on the inside in any way. But this is the only thing I would say. I think it's way too early to draw conclusions about Sala. You don't do that after nine games. Or I don't think you do it after one season either. The only thing that, I mean, I thought part of his trademark when he was in San Francisco was his spirit. You know, he was really a fired up fist pumper, all that. It looks like he's taking a chill pill now as a head coach. And maybe that's that's natural. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. But I think if that's who you are 
and I can't tell you that's who he is because I don't know him that well, but he appeared to be a cheerleader at times in San Francisco. And he was over the last two years, I would say easily the most, he was, he was on television more than any assistant coach in football over the last couple of years. I think part of the reason is because he gets fired up and I think his players responded to that. And again, I can't tell you right now that that is absolutely him or that isn't him. But all I know is that I look at him now on the sidelines and he coaches like Chuck Knoll. And I would just like him to be him. If this is who he is, great. Coach like that. But if the way he was in San Francisco is the way he is, then coach like that. That's my only feeling about this. But again, jumping up and down on the sidelines and pumping your fist when there's a great play and all that, that's not going to matter when you give up 54 to the Patriots. You need to get better players. And right now, and again, look, I don't want to jump on Joe Douglas either. It's not entirely fair. But, you know, 4-21 and 21 since he has had total absolute control over the roster. You can get as many votes as confident, votes of confidence from Woody Johnson as you want. But uh, that's got to get better in a hurry. No, I mean, you could get on him. I mean, me, you, and Kaz were playing cornerback. I mean, they came into the season with a bunch of, of no-names. And listen, these guys have also been bad, but they came in there with unproven players. Are you interested at all in seeing Salah call the plays defensively? Only if, you know, I, I don't know enough about whether that would truly make a positive impact. I think Salah is clearly... He's the head coach of the team. You know, there's a reason why he's not the down-to-down play caller. And, you know, I'm sure that they're running what he wants to run. I mean, when I hear things like that, I basically say, okay, interesting talking point, but I'm not sure how much difference it would make. I mean, Dan Campbell started calling the plays for Detroit the other day in Pittsburgh, and, you know, that offense still looks horrendous. You know, and Jared Goff still looks bad. I really don't know how much that means. Peter, I'm curious. You were, when when the Jamal Adams trade happened, if I remember correctly, you had a lot of reporting from Seattle. I think you kind of dug in on the Seattle side of that trade. If I, I'm trying to remember right, that their feeling kind of was like we could be drafting in the 20s. Like that traffic might not be that much. Well, Russell Wilson gets hurt. Geno Smith has to play a few games. Seattle's not quite what we thought they'd be this year. Does that trade look any different to you right now? That, you know, the Jets, I don't think they're going to have the number six picker or something like that from Seattle, which would, right, like they're going to win some games, but that could be a. 14, 15, 16 pick? I would assume I would assume it'll be a middle of the road pick because Russell Wilson's gonna win some games. Yeah. Does he it look will. any better? Does the trade look any different to you though in that rather than twenty six or twenty seven? Yeah. A little bit, but I I I would just uh and again, they had to make that decision. Joe Douglas had to make that decision when they were in salary. The league was basically, because of COVID, had put teams in salary cap purgatory. So that has to factor into whether the trade was going to be made at all. Now, look, it could. It, let's just say that the Saints or that the Seahawks trade Russell Wilson at the end of this year. And look, this year's draft you know, my feeling is this year's draft really is going to be sort of a middle of the road pick. So let's say the Jets are picking whatever it's going to be, three and 16. I mean, that's great. That's really good. But I also think that you have to look at everything that was acquired in that draft. And, you know, look, what they do with those picks, it's a sort of throw your hands up in the air because you can't judge it right now, but it's really going to be judged on how your team does with those picks. 
And, you know, like at the end, you you look at one of the reasons why the Rams are so crazy with these draft choices is that they ask themselves this question. We just surrendered, let's just say, about the 58th and 90th picks in this coming draft for Von Miller. And I only bring this up because you say, wow, that's a lot. Well, what the Rams do is, let's just say they've got right now, you know, six picks available in next year's draft. And I don't know how many they they have, but they will figure a way to trade somebody or to trade something or to get compensatory picks that will basically get them back to whole in terms of number of picks. And their philosophy is very simple and is that we think we're going to get good usable players who will make our team and play for us in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds. So that's how they do it. They might proven to be, be proven to be wrong. Uh, it, we'll see. We're going to take time. Nobody has ever done with draft picks what they're doing right now. But I would only say about the Jets that you really, I think, have to wait to see what exactly happens in the draft and not only what's going to happen, you know, with, say, those picks, with all of these picks, but but whatever else Joe Douglas does with the rest of his picks, because so far uh, the impact uh, with them has not been great. Yeah, they have definitely missed out on the draft. Peter King is with us here on the Gangs All Here podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Peter underscore King. Check out, of course, his football morning in America column with NBC Sports. The quarterback saga. I mean, it wasn't a saga until a couple of weeks ago, but what do you make of the whole Mike White situation and and what we've seen so far from Zach Wilson? I think Zach Wilson, you know, obviously you guys have watched him. I mean, look, this is why I wrote this in August, and I've written it about five times total, that it's it's insane to go into a season without a veteran quarterback. And I'm sure they inquired, you know, about Trevor Simeon and about Nick Foles and and all that. I'm sure they inquired. But, you know, Parcells used to have a saying, don't tell me how hard it was in childbirth. Tell me if the baby's alive. You got to get it done. Whatever it costs, it costs. But that leaving uh, Zach Wilson in late against New England, I just thought was terrible. I thought it was a bad coaching decision. Uh, but if you're at that time, you're Robert Sala and say, OK, are we now going to feed Mike White, who's never played before, to Bill Belichick for three or four series? They didn't have until Mike White did what he did against the Bengals. The Jets had zero confidence in him to be a player. So I don't know how in the world you enter a season when you have a quarterback who's played one year against a gerrymandered schedule at Brigham Young. Um, and he's played more than that. But that's when he rose to prominence. And again, I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I really do. I think he's got all the tools mentally. I think he's strong. But, you know, a lot of events, including the backup quarterback, including the death of Greg Knapp, uh, have conspired against him. And I guess my whole point would be, if this is your franchise quarterback, you better help him more than the Jets have helped him so far. 
going forward, Peter, do you feel like that's what the rest of the Jets season is about? Is Zach Wilson and, and finding out what you have in him in these last eight games? I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's still making the argument that Mike White should play here after Sunday, but there was an argument last week that, that Mike White should play even if Zach Wilson's healthy. But to me, they got to find out what they have, you know, as much as they can in the last eight games from Zach Wilson. I think so. And look, we'll see. I mean, if let's just say that, you know, Miami sacks him eight times, beats him up, uh, and the Jets lose. 37 to 7. I may want to reconsider after that, but I do agree because you don't want to pound your head against the wall and say, hey, we're playing this guy. You've got to do what's best. The only thing that matters in the rest of this season is uh, the, the improvement of Zach Wilson. That's a that's a lazy way to look at it. But in reality, that's the case because, you know, look, the Jets have an awful lot of work to do this coming off season and in the draft next year. Because, look, you know, right now you look at the draft and if we just look at it today, like right now, they're going to have, let's say, the 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 third and the 16th pick in the first round. They're going to have the 35th and 50th pick or 55th pick because of the Carolina pick in the second round. And then they're going to have, say, the 67th, 68th pick in the third round. So they got five picks in the top 70. This is, you don't want to put more pressure on Joe Douglas than I'm sure he already feels that he has. This is the draft that's going to determine whether Joe Douglas has a long life with the Jets. You know, he's got a hit on three of these picks, is that they become solid to very good NFL starters. And there's no other way to look at it. It's time. Uh, we've seen very little of greatness out of his first couple of drafts. So it's time. He, he's got to step up to the plate and and get a couple of triples here, in my opinion, if he wants to have a long career with the Jets. Yeah, and you know he, he aspires to have a long career like you did at Sports Illustrated. One memory, 29 years, that lives with you forever. What is it? You know, probably probably the most fun thing I mean, Jesus, I did so many fun things, or I have done so many fun things, but this just sticks out to me now for some reason, and that is I took a bus across the country with John Madden, like in my second year at the magazine. I I browbeat him into letting me write a story of John Madden taking the bus across the country, you know, stopping in places like Elko, Nevada at the Big Boy Restaurant and Kearney, Nebraska at a steakhouse that is one of his favorite restaurants in the United States and just doing all these things that were really a lot of fun. But I just think being at Sports Illustrated really allowed me in those days, because think about it, back in 89, 90, 95, right in there, you know, the two really big media entities in the country were Sports Illustrated and ESPN. Times have changed, obviously, but you could get to do so many things in those days that you didn't really, that you don't really get to do now as sort of a print or internet reporter. So those are some of the things that I remember the most, you know, being on the front lines and and after the 95 Super Bowl, being in a car with Steve Young, who threw up all over Lee Steinberg because he was so dehydrated and chugged Gatorade too fast. I don't know. You know, that's an interesting question. If I could just open up my brain and talk for two hours, I'd have quite a few stories. But those are two that kind of come to mind right away. Hey, guys, some uh, breaking news while we're on the podcast here. Uh, ESPN's reporting that Joe Flacco will start Sunday's game. 
for the Jets. What? What? Is Zach still not 100% then? Is that the case? I don't know. We'll find out from Robert Sala later today, I guess. But it's, yeah. So that's, I'm, I was, Peter understands. You know, what, you know what's time. funny? What's funny about that is that Flacco should have been on this team all along. Whatever it cost him. Look, pick a guy. Flacco, any veteran quarterback. And, and look, it might not be the thing that really helps Zach Wilson get over the top. And Flacco is an avowed, hey, you know, he's got coaches to help him. I'm I'm getting ready for the game. Even though I've heard from all the guys who work with him, going back to Tyrod Taylor with the Ravens, they love Joe. But be that as it may, that's one of those things that, that shouldn't happen at the trading deadline. It should have happened six months ago. I have no words. <laughs> I came out of nowhere. I knew Kaz had something going. He's checking his phone. I'm like, yeah, there's so some I, news I, I wasn't trying to be rude, Peter. You understand. There was some text coming and going. And yeah, so. I like I that. It's, it's there an, goes it's the Mike a, White era. That was, that was quick. Mike, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting story, yeah. Yeah, the Jets, well, Jets, Jets quarterbacks, they might not ever be good, but they're always interesting. They're always, they're, it's always interesting. So I guess we'll, we'll end on that note. Peter King, check out his column on NBC Sports. Of course, follow him on Twitter at Peter underscore King. Peter, great to catch up with you, man, and uh, enjoy the rest of the Jets season and every other team that you'll probably watch over the Jets the rest of the way. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Good to be with you. Don't even get me going. All right, episode 85, the Wesley Walker edition, a friend of the program of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post, is now in the books. Thanks to you, Andrew Hartz. Thanks to the intern who, don't worry, you're not fired, Cameron Ezer. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your support. And follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Brian Cos. Go get Post Sports Plus, free 30-day trial, nypost.com slash sports plus. Jets Dolphins on Sunday. If you're watching it, you might have to cover your your eyes at some point it's gonna get ugly it's joe flacco versus two a t i mean the young versus the old we'll see what happens well i hope you guys all enjoy the game we always appreciate you listening to the podcast and we'll be back on monday following that jets dolphins game at MetLife stadium if you're going enjoy the tailgate enjoy the beer i'm heading down to charlotte north carolina and i'll be there for the rest of the month so I'll be down in Charlotte. And many people think the weather there is so much better. It's going to be as cold there as it is here. So don't be like, enjoy your tan. Enjoy. It's going to be 40s and 50s there. So I'm going to enjoy absolutely nothing. But I will enjoy seeing my family, of course. Because family over everything. You got to enjoy the family time, the Thanksgiving time. Mom's cooking will be nice. So it's a nice two-week hiatus from the hustle and bustle in New York. And then come back and get back to the hustle. Well, that'll wrap up. Gang's all here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy Jets Dolphins, and we'll talk to you Monday. Peace.